morning, our scripture lesson comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. If you please stand and remain standing for the reading of scripture. It's a long text. It is a particularly moving text. I'm going to do something a little strange this morning. You're not unused to that by now. That would be that on the screen you're going to see the New American Standard Version, which you know is my preferred translation of the scriptures. But I'm going to be reading from my phone this morning because I forgot and left my Amplified Bible at my office at home. And I want you to have an Amplified Version, which is an explanation along with the reading of the scripture in words that have been blown up a little bit so that the meaning might be made more clear. Now suffice it to say before I begin that to me, reading this text is also, is always, one of the great uh, mysterious journeys that I get to take. You can never plumb its depths, you can never fully grasp it. To turn it into something simply of logic is to ruin what it means. And so I want the scriptures to minister to each of us today out of their own depths and out of what the words mean for us. So hear now the word of the Lord as John was inspired to write it. In the beginning, before all time, was the Word, which was Christ. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God Himself. He was present originally with God. All things were made and came into existence through Him. And without Him was not even one thing made that has come into being. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines on in the darkness, for the darkness has never overpowered it, put it out, or absorbed it, or appropriated it, and is unreceptive to it. There came a man sent from God, whose name was John. This man came to witness that he might testify of the light, that all men might believe in it, which means adhere to it, trust it, and rely upon it through him. He was not the light himself, but came that he might bear witness regarding the light. There it was. The true light was then coming into the world, the genuine, perfect, steadfast light that illumines every person. He came into the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him, did not know him. He came to that which belonged to him, to his own, his domain, creation, things, the world. And they who were his own did not receive him and did not welcome him. But to as many as did receive and welcome him, he gave the authority, the power, privilege, right, to become the children of God. That is, to those who believe in, adhere to, trust in, and rely on his name. Who owe their birth neither to bloods nor to the will of the flesh, that of the physical impulse, nor to the will of man, that of a natural father, but to God. They are born of God. And the Word, Christ, became flesh, human incarnate, and tabernacled, fixed his tent of flesh, lived a while among us. And we actually saw his glory, his honor, his majesty, such glory as only as an only begotten Son receives from His Father, full of grace, favor, loving kindness, and truth. John testified about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me has priority over me, for He was before me. 
He takes rank above me, for he existed before I did. He has advanced before me, because he is my chief. For out of his fullness, abundance, we have all received. All had a share, and we were all supplied with one grace after another, and spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, and even favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. For while the law was given through Moses, grace, unearned, undeserved favor, and spiritual blessing, and truth came through Jesus Christ. No man has ever seen God at any time. The only unique Son, or the only begotten God, who is in the bosom, in the intimate presence of the Father, He has declared Him. He has revealed Him and brought Him out where He can be seen. He has interpreted Him, and He has made Him known. The Word of God for the people of God. Thank you. There are many verses in Scripture which I love. There are none that I love quite like John 1. John 1 has so much power and is written from such a different perspective than how the other Gospels begin. It begins in eternity, at a time that has no time, in a reality that is beyond space and time and has no limits. It is a story that ties together the pre-existent word the pre-existent being, the Son of God, to us. It brings it from the heavenly places to the earthly places in a way that it can be apprehended and grasped by those who would grasp it, who would begin to try to understand it. Now this Thanksgiving Day, we are going to be thinking more about the work of Christ upon our lives than are many persons on the face of this earth because we name the name of Christ. We're going to be trying to think about the impact that we can have on other people's lives because the light of Christ dwells in us. A light that is meant to shine in the darkness in such a way that it accomplishes several things. Let me begin about the beauty of this gospel with a quote from book entitled John's Wisdom, which is a modern-day commentary on the book of John, written by Ben Witherington III. And I quote his hymn when he says in the introductory pages of the book, Throughout the Gospel, knowing where the Son of God came from and where He is going is the key to understanding who He is, and thus is also a key to understanding why so many misunderstand and reject Him. Knowing throughout the gospel, that's the gospel through all four words and through the rest of the scriptures, knowing where the Son of God came from and where He is going is the key to understanding who He is and thus is also a key to understanding why so many misunderstand and reject Him. Fix that in your mind. It is impossible to truly appreciate who Jesus Christ was and who He came to be Unless we begin with the understanding after being introduced to this concept that before anything was on earth, Jesus was with the Father. He pre-existed everything that was involved in creation and did his fact have his hand in creation itself. 
It is only when we allow our minds to go that far weird, and that's pretty weird, right? I mean, how does something exist before anything was created? I don't know, but I'm not going to bother you with trying to explain it. If you want to do that, meet in a group, not the parlor, but in another room. Don't confuse Jerry. Meet in another room and try to figure out that verse if you can. But before you go, let me just warn you, you can't. Because you are of creation. Children ask this question over and over again. Who made God? Nobody made God. God made everything else. If you think that's confusing, then we tell them that God is a trinity, but yet one. So you see, there's a lot of things that we, we try to explain with words that are really not sufficient. But you cannot read that text and listen to what John says without being moved to a different place in your soul. Or if you can, then you're still surrounded by more darkness than there is light inside you. It is simply that powerful of a text. Now, today I want to go for just a moment to hope. As Cindy J was praying about it, reminding us of all the hope we have in ourselves, for our lives, for our futures, for our vocations, for the health of our loved ones, for the work of the body of Christ, for his church, for just our world in general to be such a better place. If we were trying to bring a box in here and put it down front and fill it full with all the things we're actively hoping for, we couldn't get a large enough box, could we? Those hopes and dreams and yearnings would simply fill it up till it was running over. But what I want you to picture is, is a much smaller box beside that big box. And I want you to picture that smaller box in reality possessing the hopes we have for ourselves spiritually and for the world spiritually. Well, you see, we are much better about hoping for the things of the flesh than we are for hoping for the things of the Spirit. And therein lies the problem in the witness of the church today. We get too concerned about the flesh and not concerned enough about the Spirit. We yearn to have a better job, but do we yearn to get deeper and closer to Christ? Do we so yearn that it drives us to His Word and to our knees in prayer? Do we so yearn for the hope of Christ to consume us that we find ourselves constantly talking about Jesus day by day, or do we struggle to get that hope out because it lives in a little box? We're so busy hoping that our children won't run over the dog next door. Or that our children will play with a new neighbor down the street. Or that we will somehow be able to make it through retirement. Or that our 401k will last longer than we do on earth, yet we're not looking for an early exit. You see, we have so much things, so many things we yearn for, that so often the spiritual things, while they're there, are much smaller compared to the physical things of life. We yearn more for the physical well-being of people sometimes than we do for their spiritual well-being. Because you see, if we are burning up with hope for the salvation of humankind, we will figure out how to share the light that is within us into the darkness in which others are living. And I don't see the church infatuated with that. Now there are a few weird people. There are a few weird people. They are consumed with the witness part of their faith. But there need to be much more of them. And that witness needs to be crafted and shared 
in particular appropriate ways according to the different people that we talk to. Learning how to be a witness is not just something that God gives you and you automatically are one. Learning how to be an effective witness for Christ takes sweat, blood, and tears. It takes delving into the scriptures. It takes making yourself ready so that God actually has a tool and an instrument that he can use to make life real for others. That's not the sermon. That's just the introduction, sort of. <laughs> I really want to focus today on the word hope, but I want to do it through that verse 5 that also is the centerpiece for our, our discussion today and, and so we'll on and off again throughout this week. But I'm going to begin with verse 4 because it's necessary. It says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it, nor did the darkness overcome it. If you're looking at your scripture, you'll know I used one Greek verb to say two things. Because scholars cannot agree whether the interpretation of that word is comprehend or overcome. Quite frankly, I think they're both right, so I just use them both. The context of the passage makes it clear that even though the light came into the darkness, much of the darkness did not understand who Jesus was. They did not comprehend he was truly the pre-existent Son of God. They didn't get it. This was God himself walking the earth in the flesh so that we might comprehend who God is really like, what God would look like if God were a human. They just didn't get it. It didn't fit, fit their frame. And let me tell you, in the world in which we live today, we live in darkness. Because so many people have a terrible frame for understanding Jesus Christ. They think he's some judgmental, self-righteous, hypocrite that goes to church at Prestonwood up the street. <laughs> or Prince of Peace up the street. Or somebody else somewhere else. I'm sure they don't think that about any of us. But you see, the darkness... It's so dark. If we turned out all the lights here today, we just left the Christmas lights on, you'd be living in darkness. In fact, I came in earlier and I said, uh, you know, it's kind of dark in here. We are going to turn the lights up where I can see people, right? And they did. Thank you for that. I don't know how dark they were thinking about making it. But, you know, light contrasts to darkness. And when light comes into a darkness, it changes. It changes the darkness. And as long as electricity is there... Or the gas supply is there to, or the candle has wick and wax left. Darkness cannot overcome it. Well, thanks be to God, darkness cannot overcome the light of Christ as long as people are receiving it and allowing it to flame up in their lives and hearts so that wherever they go and walking into the lands of darkness that surround us constantly, light will be able to be seen. That's one of the reasons why in him was life, and it was the light of men. Life occurs 35 plus times in the book of John. 15 plus times the phrase to live or to have life also occurs in John. The word life was a huge component of the writer as he wrote throughout the Gospel of John. In fact, Having life is so important, not only do you begin it with the first chapter that I've already read to you, but the original ending of the gospel more than likely ended like this in John 20, chapters, verses 30 and 31. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. 
But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing, a continuous present tense action Greek verb, you may continue to have life in His name. Life in His name. Jesus came to give us life. That was the purpose of this book of John. It was written with that purpose in mind. Not so much of the historical realities as you hear from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but rather the spiritual realities that begin in a world we strain and yearn to picture and visualize, bringing it into contact with the world of the flesh where we live, talk, and breathe day by day. What a beautiful picture of life that he gives us. And this life was the light of men, as in contrast to darkness. Light, you see, illuminates the person of God. If Jesus had not come as light, we would still be thinking God was some vengeful person who was calling us forward to destroy everything that wasn't like God wanted. We would still be stuck in Deuteronomy, Genesis, or Exodus. We'd still be stuck in the reading of the prophets, but we're not. Because we have come to understand that the light came to shine in the darkness so that we might better understand who God truly was and is. God is not changed, but the ability of humankind to grasp God and to apply who the person of Christ was to their own lives is the same ability, if you want to rank it as such, that explains to people how much we understand God. When I see people acting so ungodly in the name of God, I, I, I cringe. I want to I fall down and scratch fleas or something. I don't know where that phrase came from. It just happens. Because I, I can't say some things I'd like to say. But sometimes I see the church acting so unchristlike with people who are living in darkness that they're not a light. In fact, they are quenching what little light might be in that center. God forbid that the church understands itself as judge and executioner on this earth. We are here to lift the darkness away from those who are trapped in darkness. And we do that by giving ourselves away even as the Son of God did when He came to this earth. When He came and gave Himself in death so that we might live. We have to live like that. When we have that passion that Jesus had... We won't be nearly so worried about our retirement account as we are worried about our spiritual account. How big is your spiritual account in heaven? When you get there, thank you. When you get there, an amen for you saying amen. When you get there, and I'm not voting for a cheering section, but they're fun. When you get there, and God says, let me tell you about your life I'm so proud of you about. I hope it takes longer than 69 seconds because they don't have seconds in heaven. But I hope you don't get there and says, well, you know, one day you did this and then stops and looks at you. If that happens to you, get ready. You're in for a long judgment. Because <laughs> most of your life has been not about what Christ was about, but rather about you. Or rather about living out something that you thought was a church and it wasn't. It's got to be a sad day for us. That doesn't mean we're not going to heaven. Don't hear me saying that. I didn't say that. And if heaven is your only gold in this world, then you're to be pitied. And I'm sorry for you. Not that going to heaven is a bad thing. It's just that heaven begins on earth. Or I say it's never fully been comprehended. Why live a little bit of something that's so great? Why be just barely Christian with the opportunity for you to be overflowing and hope and peace and joy 
and love is right there within your grasp. If you just unclench your grasp and let God fill up your heart with himself. Why settle for religion? You know, if I were a teenager, I would preach it to a to a bunch of teenagers, I would probably at this point say something I would never say in worship. I'd say something like, you know, religion sucks. <laughs> That's what I would say. Because it's so far short of what God hoped when he sent Jesus Christ into the world. He had lots of religion. He had plenty of Pharisees and plenty of scribes. In fact, he had so many, he didn't even want them that way anymore. And so what Jesus came to earth to say, you want to know what God is really like, look at me. <coughs> look at me and I will enlighten your thinking and your understanding. So that we might begin to grasp what it's truly like to be created in the image of God and to think like God. What a concept. But he didn't come just to illuminate the person of God. He came also to reveal our relative shortcomings. Which is a nice way to say that his light illuminates us and we are more clearly able to see our sin. I just found out I sin Gary today. You know Gary. Right? You don't know Gary? You're a visitor to. Gary, you're out there sitting with your mom and daddy, right? You know Gary, there he is. He's willing to raise his hand. Don't I fix it, make an example of him. And I'm okay with that. I found out today from his wife that even though we played golf, Friday, and I managed to beat him. He had not told her. <laughs> that is sinful, isn't it? The leather is going to believe it. He's beating me every time. It's terrible. But you know, sometimes you just don't know your sin until the light of Christ shines upon it. It's when I compare myself to Jesus that I'm most honest with myself. I don't want to compare myself to you. You might be doing better than I. But if I just leave myself alone, I think I'm doing pretty good. But then when I allow the light of Christ to shine upon my life, and I compare myself to Christ, it's easy for me to see my sin and where I can go deeper and closer to the Lord my God. Light not only illuminates the person of God, it also illuminates our sin and reveals it to us. Thirdly, the light of that is Christ, is a guiding light. We wonder so often, what are we to do? It's as easy as a, as a bracelet. We act like we don't know what to do. It's a, it's a fad. Well, I just don't know what Jesus to do. Well, then one of two things is true. You've not read the scriptures very much at all, or else you're only fooling yourself. And 90% of the world's questions can be answered by, what would Jesus do? And you already know the answer. You do. You just don't like the answer. The light of Christ is meant to guide us in our decisions. Now, granted, there's 10% of the things that are conundrums. At least 10%. I worry. You say, well, I don't know if it's that percentage. Don't get hung up about the percentage. Just let it be known that most of the time, we do know what to do. We may not know how to do it in the world in which we live. That's true. But we know what to do. Do we know what to do with a child who has nowhere to live? In a place in Africa, Jerry knows what to do with them. He just can't get enough money together for people who feels like he does to save enough of them. But he's collecting them by the dozens and building homes for them. Because you see, when an orphan has no parents and they've been left for dead on the side of the road, you don't have to ask God, what would you do, God? 
Jerry knows the answer. I take that child home to the best of my ability. I care for them. Well, now, we live in a different context where people may not be starving. But you know there are a lot of our kids that go home hungry every weekend until Monday and they come back and get free lunch at school. I know most of you say, oh, that's not true. I get so tired of people telling me these facts are not true. It's a fact. Amen. A fact that many kids go to school hungry when they are not in school. In this country and in this state especially, we're so busy telling ourselves how good we're doing and some of the very obvious ways in which we can help, we just, we just the light of Christ about us is not able to illuminate us because we don't ask it to. The light is shining. And to think that Jesus would allow a child to go hungry if he could prevent it is not even comprehensible to any of us. Is it? If you think of Christ would allow a child to go hungry, stand up. All right, there you are. There you are. See? Most of the time we know what needs to be done. We just struggle with how to do it. The last thing I want to say about light is it is the ground of our hope in the world and in eternity. Hope is a powerful thing. And it's the light of Christ that causes us to have hope. You don't look at one another and always get a lot of hope, do you? I mean, you might look at one of your friends on a good moment in their life when they're really being like Jesus. You go, I hope to be like that someday. That's great. But what if they're looking at you on another day? You know, you may have a bushel over your life. You, know, you may not be acting like Jesus. You may not be thinking like Jesus. You may not be willing to give yourself like Jesus gave of himself. But even regardless of that, the light of Christ is our hope. We are hopeful that the world will be saved. That every orphan will have a home. That children will not be hungry. We are hopeful that people will live in peace. We are hopeful that people will live in peace with their brothers and sisters, their cousins and their nephews. We are hopeful that people will have the gumption in the light of Christ to guide them to asking for forgiveness when we alienate relationships that we each have. At least from the part we can control, which is us. Oh, I know. We all know people that are... Ah, we're tempted to think they're hopeless. You know, the people who are so not like us, the people who drive us crazy, the people who act like, well, I can't even use the word, I couldn't use the word, I don't want to use the word. But you know the people I'm talking about. And you wonder how they ever going to be saved. Well, the same way you and I got saved, the light of Christ will save them when it finally turns on for them, if it does, and if they will receive it. But we have to be worried about us. How do we respond to the darkness? Oh, my goodness, when we think about the life of Jesus, this is where the rubber meets the road, people. How did Jesus respond to darkness in his world? He brought light into it at a cost to himself. And you can't put light in the midst of darkness without it bringing illumination to the darkness. Every martyr that every di ever died in our country and around the world, as their flesh was being taken from them, even as it was from our Lord Jesus Christ, the light of faith was burning brightly in those who were witnessing their giving of themselves for their faith. Every time the darkness of evil, tried to quench the light of Christ, tried to blot out the church. 
Every time, every time, the darkness said, we got it this time. We're finally going to shut that noisy Christian group up. It doesn't happen. Because the darkness cannot, not only not understand Christ, they can't overcome the light of Christ either. They can't do it. It's not possible. They can try all they want. They'll still just be darkness. Oh, they may bring shadows every now and then, and they may win a battle or two here or there, and they may cause us to scratch our heads sometimes, but I promise you this, the light has never been, never been extinguished by darkness since the day Jesus Christ spread out his arms and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they did. Into your hands I commit my spirit. And just as he predicted in John 12, him lifting up his arms caused him to draw all men to himself. Now there's still hard heads among us. There's still people who refuse to believe that Jesus existed before he ever came to earth. And all we can do is be a witness to that disunbelief, if you will, by letting our light shine. Because you see, it also says in John that we can be children of the light. To bring light in light to the dark places. So I ask you these questions. One, how is Christ going to use this church to bring light into the surrounding area in which we live? Two, what is Christ calling you to do in and through this church to be an instrument of that light? And three, how are we going to continue to spread that light beyond Carrollton and its immediate areas across the world to even greater extent than we've done in the past. How? How are we going to do it? My hope is that you'll spend hours thinking about that. Thinking about how Christ might use you. Thinking about how Christ might use this church. So we can bring it all together and become the body of Christ that is a light, a light shining in the darkness. The hope of Carrollton and the world. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, wow, you were there before we ever were. Don't get it, but I'm glad to receive it. I'm so glad to know that you are larger than my ability to think or to conceptualize because you have given me even that ability to think and conceptualize. I'm so glad to know that even though you were before all created things, that you chose to allow yourself to become a created one among us so that we might better understand our creator, ourselves, and how we relate to our God as light in the midst of darkness. Lord, where there is a lack of understanding, let our light shine. And where there are those who would overcome the light, let us burn brightly that that light may never go out. For it is the light of Christ that dwells in us. If there's one here, Lord, this morning who does not know you as Savior, I pray that they would just open up and let your light dispel the darkness in their minds and hearts. If there's one here, Lord, who has accepted you as Savior, but is struggling. I pray they let the light of Christ illuminate their way so they might walk in faith 
and drawing nearer to you day by day. And if they're looking for a church home, Lord, lead them to the place where they need to be. If it's here, then let them come forward as we stand and sing together. In Christ's name.